If you would, remain standing as we read God's Word together. In Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, I'll be reading beginning in verse 15. As we talk about, as God's children, we are to be slaves of God in this life. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and have been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God for his word. Please be seated. Romans chapter 6 instructs us in the sanctification of God's children. If you've not been justified by God, you cannot be sanctified by God. But for those of us who have been born again, who have repented of their sins, put their faith, hope, and trust in Christ, and Christ alone for their salvation... There is not just justification, there is also sanctification. You have a new heart and you have a new spirit. This means that you are now able to please God in this life. Before you were unable to please God, but now you can please God, you can worship God, because without faith it is impossible to please God. So God justifies and he sanctifies. His children praise him and they live thankful lives. Indeed, true freedom is serving God. True freedom is serving God. But God's children also understand in this life that there is a fight to please Him. We possess competing desires in this life. London Baptist Confession of 1689 words the battle of sanctification this way. This sanctification extends throughout the whole person. Though it is never completed in this life, some corruption remains in every part. From this arises a continual, irreconcilable war with the desires of the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against that of the flesh. So inside Christians... We have the desires of the flesh are battling against the desires of the Spirit of God. Paul experienced this in his own life. Listen to Romans 7, 18 and 19. Paul said this, For I know that nothing nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. 
I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So Paul was a slave of righteousness, but even in his life there was a battle of desires going on. Galatians 5 verse 17 for the desires of the flesh, they are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So Christian, you have competing desires in you. Desires for sin, and desires for God. And these desires are opposing each other. They are fighting. They are battling. 1 Peter 2 verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. So there is a war raging in you. There's a battle of desires and the, and the passions or lust of the flesh are not to be acted upon because we are now slaves of God. Your desires for God are fighting against your desires for sin. And we are to abstain from the passions of the flesh. We are, as God's children, called to live holy lives. If you look back at Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, look back at Paul's opening words in discussing sanctification. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. God forbid that we think and live that way. How can we who die to sin still live in it? We are not to continue in sin that grace may abound. Paul went on to teach that we are to think a certain way because we can think that way because we are in Christ and we are to live a certain way because of how we now think. That we are called to please God with our minds as well as our lives. We are called to be holy. Holy is not just that of the mind. Holy is also that of how we live. Number one, Paul taught us we are to count ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Number two, we are to present ourselves to God each and every day. And then number three, we present ourselves with no reservations. Our new life in Christ is a call to action. We don't approach the throne of grace and say, Lord, I am here to serve you, but there is something over here that I'm not willing to give. God's children report to him because they are free. They are no longer under law. They are under grace. Sin is no longer the Christian's master. Christ is their master. Christians are under God's grace, but the power of sin is real. We have competing desires in us, but we are not to continue in sin. In Romans 6, verses 1 through 14, Paul concerns his audience with death. 6 through 14, he says, Being dead to sin, alive to God, being baptized into the death of Christ and raised, Having died to sin, we are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But here in Romans 6, verses 15 through 23, Paul concerns his audience with being a slave. He moves past being dead. He talks about being a slave, being a slave to God and not a slave to sin. 
being a slave of righteousness. In Romans 6, 15, Paul writes just as he did in Romans 6, 1. Look back at Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? And then Romans 6, verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. So we are not to continue in sin that grace may abound. And we are not to sin because we are under grace. God's grace does not grant us permission to sin. His grace is not a license to do as we please and see fit. Even in the Old Testament, when God gave His children, I have given you commands in how you are to worship Me. If you try to worship Me in an unworthy manner, I will not accept it. Even though you may feel like in your heart, this is how you are to do, I have given you instructions in how you are to worship Paul writes just as he did in 6.1. God's grace does not grant us permission to sin. God's grace is now a joyful position in which we now experience. And this position includes obedience. It includes the activity of pleasing Him. We are now free as Christians to serve God. These verses are a call to holiness. Look at Romans 6, verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So if you've experienced the new birth, your master is the Lord. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, covered by the blood of Jesus. You are now free to serve God, but you still have competing desires. Here's a word of caution for us. Who we present ourselves to, we become slaves of. Who we present ourselves to, we become slaves of. If we present ourselves to sin, we become slaves of sin. If we present ourselves to God, we become slaves of God. And who we present ourselves to, let us not be foolish and think that there are no consequences. There are consequences on who we present ourselves to. If you present yourself to sin, sin will lead you to death. If you present yourself to God, He will lead you to righteousness. Sin leads to condemnation, while God leads to righteousness and glorification. In any given area of our life, at any given time, concerning whatever member of your body, you are presenting yourself to God or you are presenting yourself to sin. So much in our culture, we think that there is a gray area with the Lord. There is not. Let us use marriage as an example. In our culture, marriages come and marriages go. Marriages are based upon, for many people, if I'm not getting what I want out of it, I am done. And yet, that is not what the purpose of marriage is. God is clear about 
our responsibility in marriage. The question is, are you and I submitting to the Lord in our marriage, or are there certain areas in which you ignore or justify for your own self-pleasure? Same is true with parenting. Do you know what you should be doing, but your slothfulness is ruling, ruling the day and you're not doing it? How about your finances? Is God pleased with what you are doing with his money, or do you see his money as your money? The Great Commission. Are you concerned about the souls around you enough to not just pray for them, but to actually do something about it and talk to them? As Christians, sin is no longer our master. Christ is our master, but is he the one you are actually serving? Christ is king, but are you loving him? That's a great question. Yes, I acknowledge that Christ is king. Are you proving it with your life? What areas of your life and what members of your body do you need to present to God in which it has been a while since you have? What areas of your life and what members of your body do you need to present to God in which you have not? Look at Romans six seventeen. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. So if you're saved, who you were, you are no longer because of God's grace. Christians have been set free from sin and are slaves of righteousness, but there is a battle of desires in your soul. Think about this question for a moment. How is your life lived if you don't desire Christ? If you are not desiring Christ as a Christian, how are you living your life? What are you pursuing? What is it that you are desiring? We don't live the Christian life when we don't live to please Jesus. Plain and simple. We don't live the Christian life when Christ is not our treasure. And when Christ is not our treasure, the pleasures of this world, they are our treasure. Are you daily approaching the Lord as his slaves, desiring to please him, or are you giving way to sinful lust? We have acknowledged that if you're saved, Christ is your master. Are you presenting yourself to your master? Are you daily approaching the Lord? God justifies a soul, and when he does, he will sanctify that soul. Paul has been hammering on this truth since the beginning of Romans 6. But let me say it another way. Justification by faith does not produce Christians who don't care about sin. If you say that I am justified, I've been redeemed, I've been washed by the blood of Christ, but you're not concerned about the sins in your life, I would argue you are not justified. 
God hates sin. As Christians, we should hate sin as well. Justification by faith produces Christians who treasure Christ and they live for Him and they come before Him and they repent of their sins. True Christians don't approach God and say, you know what God, let me sin so that your grace can abound. True Christians don't live and they don't say, let me sin because I am under grace. It's all good. It's all paid for. It's all covered. Those who think this way are just religious spectators who don't treasure Jesus. Paul's words found in verses 17 through 19, they make certain, they give us a guarantee. There is no room for a third option. There is no gray area. In verse 17, he says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. It is something that the Lord has done. It is not something that I hope that you're committed to. No, it's something that the Lord has committed you to. And having been set free from sin, you have now become slaves of righteousness. We desire God or we desire sin in this battle called life. We serve God or we serve sin in this battle that we call life. In Christ you have died to sin, but are you living for Him? Sin does not and will not dominate the Christian's life. Every member of your body is to be presented to God. The mind, the tongue, the thoughts, everything. Every member of your body is to be presented to God. The Christian's purpose in this life is to glorify Him and to enjoy Him. This purpose includes every area, every member, every aspect of who you are. Therefore, your calling as a child of God is to present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. The gospel of God is a call to come and die. It is also a call to come before Him and live as His child. It is a call to come and die to the things of this world. And it's a call to come and live as his child in this world. In Matthew 16, Jesus told this to the disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then Jesus says these words. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits His soul. I don't think there is a person in this room who has not struggled with that this past week. I don't think there's a person in this room in which you have not strived to live for the things of this world, that you have not bowed down to that desire to chase and to build your earthly kingdom. But he says, What will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forwards his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. 
He's going to come. And then He will repay each person according to what He has done. You talk about a call to actions. Christians do not sit on the sidelines. Christians submit to God and they live for God. Christians come before the Lord, they report for duty, and they live for Him. Are you denying your flesh? That's the question. Are you denying your flesh? Are you resisting your flesh? Are you fighting against the flesh? Because you are in a battle of desires. Don't desire sin. Desire God. What does desire God mean? That sounds so vague. Strongly love the Lord. I'll give you a perfect example of loving the Lord. Loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Coming before the Lord in prayer, realizing who you're speaking to because you've been in the Word of God, you know the Word of God, you know who God is, you know how holy and holy and holy He is, how righteous He is, how good He is, how you as a sinner don't deserve to even stoop down and unstrap the strap of Jesus' foot. We're to strongly love the Lord, to desire God, to want to live a holy life, to please the Lord, not to earn salvation, because salvation is all of grace, but to present yourselves as His child, as His slave, because you love Him. Present yourselves to God. Don't present yourself to sin. Desire the Lord in every area of your life, as well as every member These competing desires will not end in this life. And if you become complacent, you will give way to sin. One of the tragedies that we see in our culture is that the older individuals get in following the Lord, we don't see many of them looking more like Jesus. But here's the reality. That didn't start in their 50s and 60s. That started in their 20s and 30s and 40s. We are not to live impure lives. We are not to live lawless lives. You are to live holy lives according to God's law. This requires us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We present ourselves to righteousness. And presenting ourselves to righteousness, this results in sanctification. Don't let the words of Romans 6, 17 pass you by. He says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So what is the standard of teaching to which you have been committed? It's the word of God. The one who is saved desires to obey and will obey. That's not legalism. That's God's grace at work. The teaching that saves is a teaching that will be delivered, that you will be delivered to, as well as the teaching that you will be committed to. So if you're not committed to the Word of God, I don't know what you're committed to. In the lives of God's children, He grants obedience from the heart. This is what He does. This is what the Word says. God's grace does this. Obedience from the heart. This is not behavior modification. Obedience from the heart. It's not, 
It's not joyfully receiving the Word of God and living like the world. It's not hearing the Word of God, but the Word of God choking the Word, resulting in a fruitless life. The church has far too long accepted all these things. We have said it's okay to just come and listen to the Word of God and do nothing. Christ says no. Christ also says it's not okay to hear the Word of God and to go out from this place and to eventually be choked out by the things of this world. No, that's not acceptable either. God causes in His children obedience from the heart because He is now their Master. The master does not allow the slave to act and to do what the world does. The Spirit of God will see to that. When a heart change has occurred, salvation has occurred. And this person will be committed to know God's word and obey God's word. As Douglas Moo points out, Christian teaching molds and forms those who have been handed over to it. If you haven't been handed over to it, you will walk away eventually. In Romans 14, verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. How in the world does the Lord manifest himself to us? Is it through visions? Is it through dreams? Or is it through the word? God's children are lovers of Him, and they obey His commands. Yes, they fail and they fall short, but they keep returning to the Lord. They keep returning to His Word, and they keep returning to prayer. Justification by faith produces Christians who treasure Christ, and they will live for Him. Romans 6, 20 and 21, this looks into the Christian's past. So if you're saved... Look at your past with me. Romans 6, 20 and 21. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What a statement. Like When you were lost, hey, guess what? Don't worry. You were free from righteousness because you didn't have a lick of it. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So when you were a slave of sin, you were free from righteousness. That's not a good thing. In fact, you didn't please God at all, not a single bit. You could not. When you were a slave of sin, you were not at all acceptable to God. Being enslaved to sin produces bad fruit resulting in death. There is no profit in being free from righteousness. But did you catch what he said? He said, you produce fruit in which you are now ashamed of. What does that mean? That means as a Christian, you look back at the fruit that you once produced and you have conviction. You have sorrow over the fact of how you were living, who you were living for, and what you did being ashamed of one's past life because you did not please God. This is a work of God. Listen to the words of John Calvin. As soon as the godly begin to be enlightened by the Spirit of Christ, 
and the preaching of the gospel, they freely acknowledge that the whole of their past life, which they lived without Christ, is worthy of condemnation. So far from trying to excuse it, they are in fact ashamed of themselves. Indeed, they go farther and continually bear their disgrace in mind so that the shame of it may make them more truly and willingly humble before God. You know, it's like saying, when you and I continue to follow Christ and seek Christ and seek the things of God and we want to live for the Lord, it's not that you and I see less sin in our life, we see more. Because you see more of who Christ is. More of His fullness, more of His grace, more of His mercy, more of His justice. We, our mind is more set on Christ and the truth that Christ is absolutely everything. If we have Christ, we have all that we need. If we don't have Christ, we have nothing. But in these words right here, it says, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? If a Christian is not ashamed of their sin, can you really say that you're a Christian? Christians are ashamed of their past just as they are of their recent and present sins. It's not, did you come before the Lord asking for forgiveness? Did you repent? Are you still coming before the Lord asking for forgiveness? Are you still repenting of your sins? It's not a one-time thing that becomes a part of our entire life. It's a lifestyle. That's what Christ does. Christians are ashamed of their past. The Romans 6 verse 22 is a look into the Christian's present reality. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. So when you became a slave of God, you were set free from being a slave to sin. Being enslaved to God produces good fruit resulting in sanctification and resulting in eternal life. That is where you are headed. The fruit that you once produced, fruit that you are now ashamed of, will not define you and will not lead you to death. Your fruit leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. The Lord justifies and He sanctifies. Justification by faith produces Christians who treasure Christ and live to please Him. Joel Beek put it this way, Though justification is entirely through faith, true faith brings the effects of Christ's cross into our lives to crucify the old self. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christians have been crucified with Christ. Christ lives in the Christian. Christians live in the flesh by faith in Christ. In the words of R.C. Sproul, freedom from sin means freedom for righteousness, freedom for eternal life. It's not freedom to do as you see fit. 
What you see fit as a Christian is what God has said. That is what it should be. When we receive freedom from sin, we now have freedom for righteousness and eternal life. We have freedom now to serve God. Our old self is gone. Our new life has come. The life we once lived opposes the life that we now live. But we are still in a battle of desires. We are to consider the work of God upon our life as a Christian, and we are to present ourselves to Him and live holy lives. We are to desire God above all else. We are to think upon the wonderful love of God that He gave Himself for you. And then Romans 6.23, which many people have memorized, Paul's closure to Romans 6 actually serves as his summary statement. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So sin, sin earns death. The end of sin is death. If you remain in sin, death is earned. But the free gift of eternal life is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why does Paul use the word gift and the word free? Why does he use both words? He emphasizes gift with the word free so that the Christian understands how amazing God's grace in Christ truly is. Those in Jesus Christ do not get what they deserve. Praise God. For we have received the free gift of eternal life. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So salvation is a work of God. Amen. And we are commanded to call on Him and be saved. Sin kills while God offers a free gift of salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. Sin is the way of death, while Jesus is the way of life. So here's a question. Who are you claiming to be a slave of? Sin or of God? Are you a slave of sin or are you a slave of God? If you want to continue in sin so that grace abounds, you are not of God. If you want to sin because you think you are under grace, you have proven you are still dead in your sin. God's children are slaves of Him. God's children obey Him. God's children present themselves to Him because they, are, they understand their great need of Him when they were spiritually dead, but they also understand their great need of Him now because they are spiritually alive and without Him they can do nothing. Christian, what are you doing with your freedom? Your mind, your eyes, the members of your body, what are you doing with your freedom? Have you been set free? If yes, are you serving Him? Are you serving Christ? Or do you find the majority of your day is you're serving sin, you're serving self? As Christians, we are called to be engaged with the things of God. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know where to start. I've been struggling so much. You've got to get your mind on. Which means you've got to spend time with the Lord. You've got to come before Him and hear what God has said. If you want to be like your Master, you must spend time with your Master. 
If Christ is not your master, sin is. Romans 3, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know personally where you are this morning, but turn from your sin that is killing you and turn to God. Believe in Christ, who He is, what He has done, and you will be saved. Eternal life is found in Jesus Christ alone. And there is no eternal life outside of Christ. Father, I thank you for your holy word. In passages like this, your word reveals to us our job as your children to come before you and to present all of ourselves to you. As Christians, we know that we have areas in which we are not doing that. And by your grace, Lord, I I pray that we are taking advantage of coming before your throne and confessing those sins one by one. But Lord, we ask for help right now and strength and courage, Lord, that you would help us by your power. Grant us by your grace. Begin to conform more and more of those areas more into your Son. As we are faithful to come before you confessing those, turning away from those things. Lord, make us more like your Son for your name and for your glory. Help us to enjoy you more throughout the day. To enjoy you in the little things, in the big things, to trust you with what you are doing. That our hope would not rest in the things of this world, that our hope would not rest in the news, our hope would not rest in a in a person, our hope would rest in our divine, sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords who is ruling over all things, who is building his church, who is conforming us more into the image of Christ. May we as your children just come before you and submit ourselves to you. We are free to serve you now by your grace. Thank you. It's in the name of Christ we pray these things. Amen.